Amen. Almighty God, it is only by your son's shed, shed blood that we can come to you. God, as we come to the altar, as we seek to repent before you, God, I pray that you would remind us of what we have done and that through this service, you would also remind us of your forgiveness that you offer us. God, we are thankful that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay the price that we should have paid. And so, God, as we concentrate on that even today, may you be glorified. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, would you find your seats? Today, we're inviting you into a journey. And the journey that we're inviting you into may have been a journey that you've been on before or may have been a journey that you've never been on before, and it's the journey of Lent. And perhaps, as I was when I was a student in your shoes, you think that that is not something Protestants do, but I invite you to try it. Because there's something about going through 40 days of fasting that reminds you of what Jesus did. There's something about praying during that time in a special way that unites you with Christ. And there's something about giving to those who are in need that changes you. And so this is a historic practice. It's something that they have done from the very beginning of the church. People were baptized on Easter. It's your journey to Easter. It's not your journey down, down forever. It's your journey to Easter. It's your journey to Easter, and people were pre preparing to be baptized. And in so doing, they would repent for a period of time. And that period of repentance became 40 days, because that's what we see in scripture. And so in this 40-day period, we're called to repent, we're called to pray, and we're called to give alms, or give to those who are in need. And what we're going to invite you in today may be something that you've never done before, and you can consider how you want to participate. We invite you to consider that. We don't force you to do anything here. But we want you to know and understand that sometimes physical things parallel what's going on in the spiritual. We want you to figure that out and figure out how you want to be involved physically here this afternoon. And I invite you, in the name of the Church of God, in the name of Church of Jesus Christ, not of Latter-day Saints, the Church of the living Jesus Christ whom we worship. So I invite you in the name of that church to to begin a period of fasting. And there are a couple of items that I want to read to you. Um, I want you to observe something holy, 40 days, holy Lent, by self-examination, by repentance, by prayer, by fasting, by self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. This is an action that we're doing today that is usually done on a Wednesday. We're a little bit early, so we invite you into this. And I invite you to listen as Pastor Kelvin comes and speaks to us this, this evening. Dr. Leon Bender is a surgeon, was a surgeon at Cedar Sinai Hospital. And cleanliness was huge to him. Yet he became extremely frustrated when he took a cruise, a vacation cruise, and realized that the, cruise, the crew on the cruise ship was more diligent about washing their hands than those that worked with him in the hospital. You see, studies show that 
thousands of patients die every year from bacterial infections that could have been prevented if doctors and nurses that work on them would just frequently do a deep washing of their hands. Dr. Bender and his colleagues tried everything they could to change this pattern. But compliance with this, with this rule is around 80%. They couldn't get it past that. So medical standards require that the percentage to be at least 90% at a minimum. And since this hospital was due for an accreditation inspection in a short time, uh, the situation had to change. So one day, 20 doctors and administrators were surprised when, after eating lunch, one of the hospital's uh, epidemiologists, who's a public health professional that uh, investigates patterns and causes for disease and injuries in human, humans. This epidemiologist asked them to press their hands into an auger plate, which is a sterile petri dish containing a growth medium. The auger plates were sent to a lab and the cultures to be photographed. The photos revealed that which was not available to the naked eye. The doctors and the administrators' hands were covered with bacteria. Now, imagine being one of those doctors and realizing that your own hands, the same hands that would examine a patient later that day, your own hands, the same hands that had just been used to eat your turkey wrap at lunch, were harboring an army of microorganisms. It was a revolutionary discovery for this hospital. One of the filthiest images was made into a screensaver for the hospital's network and the computers that, that showed everyone on staff what their hands looked like, and they shared it and listened to the sense of horror that would come across uh, the different rooms when this image would come up. Suddenly, hand hygiene compliance rose to nearly 100% and stayed there. Now, while it's difficult for everyone to face the truth, the widespread exposure needed to happen for things to change. And on that day, everyone realized something. Consistent, deep cleansing and washing is the only way to get rid of the deadly bacteria that lurks in the dark. And if you don't properly deal with the bacteria, not only do you pay, but innocent people pay also. <coughs> King David should have gone to war. If he had been on the field with his men like he, his men like he was supposed to be, maybe he would never have seen Bathsheba on the roof. Maybe he would never have lusted after her. Maybe he wouldn't have abused his power and taken advantage of her. Maybe she would never have gotten pregnant. Maybe Uriah would still be alive. Maybe he wouldn't have ordered Uriah's death to cover up how abusing his authority wrecked a family. Maybe, maybe, maybe. All of the maybes in the world couldn't change the fact that there was deadly bacteria in the soul in this man after God's own heart. Bacteria that needed to be dealt with. It was deadly bacteria that led him to take an innocent man's life to cover up his sin. It was deadly bacteria that would ultimately cause the death of his child. That was a traumatic way for David to find out that if you don't properly deal with the bacteria in your soul, not only do you pay, but others also pay. So when Nathan came to David and confronted him about what he had done, David didn't delay in dealing with it. He got right after it, and he went before the Lord and crying out for forgiveness and cleansing. Psalm 51 records this heart's plea to God, David's heart's plea to God. The verse that stands out to me today is verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, 
and I shall be whiter than snow. Of all the things that he could have asked for, David asked that God would use hyssop on him. Purge me with hyssop. Why? Rather than some research, here's what I've concluded. Hyssop was used in purification ceremonies. Hyssop was used to represent a deep cleansing of the soul. It was often mixed with other aromatic plants like, like thyme and, and mint. And after being dipped in purification, after being dipped in purification water or vinegar, uh, it, would, it would be waved around and shaken so that the mixture would splatter on that which was being purified. It was, it was a hyssop branch that was dipped in the blood of lambs and used to mark the doorposts of the Israelites during Passover. And, and when the death angel came through Egypt and saw the doorposts marked with this blood, it was clear that this house was not only covered by the blood, it was purified by the blood. Pass over it. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David was crying out to God, don't just give me a surface bathing. Cleanse me so deeply that I am purified of the deadly bacteria that caused me to act in a way that didn't represent the man after your heart that I am. Don't just wash me. Purify me. Make me whole. Make me clean. Never again did David want to live out of such a dark place. And he knew that the only way for that to be accomplished was to have more than a quick wash up. He needed to be scrubbed with a cleansing agent that washed his sin out of him. And this was extremely important to him because he had come to realize that consistent, deep cleansing and washing is the only way to get rid of the deadly bacteria that lurks in the dark. He came to see that if he didn't properly deal with the bacteria, not only did he pay, but innocent people pay. And so it is that we come to this season of Lent. This season of having our hearts pressed onto the Petri dish, as it were. And if you're like me, you're caught somewhere between wanting to escape and wanting to embrace this season. Because nobody likes being exposed. No one likes seeing the dirt and the bacteria and the potentially lethal things in their lives. Things that have affected and things that have infected us. Things that have caused pain and stunted growth. Things that need to be killed off. Things that the Lord wants to use his Holy Spirit hyssop on in order for deep cleansing and washing to take place. So while I confess to you that uh, I may not like it, I'm fully embracing this Lenten season, and here's the reason why. You see, I have a dark side. It's that place where I appar I'm apparently free, free to compartmentalize, free to rationalize, free to legitimize and let materialize all the things that make me think it's okay. Okay for me to keep my feet rooted in two worlds, yet in reality, what I'm starting to see is that's not freedom at all. It's really the bondage that I abhor. I have a dark side. I portray perfection, it becomes my protection, but what I feel is rejection, so I pretend and I scheme and I dream up ways to be on top, to be the best, head and shoulders above the rest, and I'll do anything to achieve it because you see, apparently, I'm free. Free to compartmentalize, free to rationalize, free to legitimize and let materialize all the things that make me think it's okay. 
okay for me to keep my feet rooted in two worlds. Yet in reality, what I'm starting to see is that's not freedom at all. It's really the bondage that I so abhor. It's shrinking me. It's sinking me. It's, I'm not as big as I want to be, and, let, and, and to let go is painting, yet to hold on is draining, draining the very life that I pretend to have, and yet I'm starting to see that it's not life at all. It's only death. It sucks the very life from me, and I begin to realize that in bondage, I'm not truly free. There's no freedom in compartmentalization. There's no gain in rationalization. And all the wounds and the hurts of legitimization bust open with a stench, stench like a pus-filled boil when it materializes and rises to the surface. It's then that the light dawns and I realize the futility of living with my feet rooted in two worlds. That's not identity, so dear God, come rescue me. I've not been free. I've been bound. And this bondage is choking the life out of me. This life is such a chore. It's a life that I abhor, and it's time to let it go. So God, if I'm going to be bound to anything at all, bind my wandering heart to thee. Cleanse me with hyssop, Lord, and come and rescue me. Because in these next 40 days, uproot and destroy the alter ego I've become. Show me exactly where my true self comes from. It's painful to let go, but it's death to hold on. So let me die that I might live. Bring me life so I might give. Give my true self to thee. Give my true self to humanity. Dear God, come and wash me. Because I want to be free. Lent. It's about letting the Holy Spirit shine his light on the deep bacteria and the filth in our souls. Lent is about pressing our hearts onto the auger plate and saying, Jesus, take a culture of my heart. Show me the ways I've compartmentalized my life. Where is the bondage that ultimately leads to death that I need to be freed from? <laughs> but also, I thank the Lord that Lent is about being reminded that the hyssop branch has been dipped in the blood of the sacrificial lamb. And even though there are real heart issues to be faced, yet and still, we have this hope. We have this truth that as the hymn writer wrote, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood and lose all their guilty stains. So let me die that I might live. Bring me life so I might give. Give my true self to thee and to humanity. Dear God, come and wash me because I want to be free. I want to be free. And freedom starts with repentance. And so up on the screen, there's going to be a litany of repentance. And I'm going to look over at the screen and I'm going to invite you to join me. You can sit where you are. You can kneel. You can stand. Whatever it is that you would like to do, I invite you to just join me in this litany. Almighty God, most holy and merciful Father, Lord and creator of all, we confess to you our sins. We confess our idolatry toward the gifts you have given us and the pride that has caused us to separate from your love. We confess our unfaithfulness to you as a community and our self-indulgent pleasures. We confess to you, Lord. 
we have ignored your call to serve in our community, our local churches, and the world abroad. We have not served with your our whole heart, mind, and soul. We have forgotten how you saved us and brought us out of the many trials and tribulations. We have forgotten the promises and vows we have made to you. We have not loved our neighbors as you commanded. And we have had conversations that are not pleasing to your ears. We have negatively manipulated each other from your will. We confess to you, Lord. We confess our negligence in prayer and worship and praise and fasting and not being faithful to our word. We repent for allowing relationships to get in the, ways of, in the way of serving you. We repent for not being true to ourselves and allowing our identity to be compromised by the company we keep. We confess all this to you. We confess that we have not loved each other and have not pursued justice. We have been indifferent to the suffering of the poor. We have stood by while the poor are oppressed, their rights violated, and their resources, resources exploited. We have hoarded treasures and comfort while poor are hungry, naked, and dying. We confess to you, Lord. Father, we confess that we have not been good stewards of our environment that you have so graciously entrusted to us. We are not mindful of taking care of it. We continue to use it and deplete it for our own personal gain. We confess that we mindlessly trash it without giving thoughts of the consequences. We confess to you, Lord. <coughs> we repent for our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us. In the rush and bustle of our day, we pay no heed to the creation's grown, but instead take advantage of it and use it for our own personal gain. We repent for not giving our environment a chance to rest and be restored. We repent for not even trying to learn the ways in which to protect and care for our environment. We confess this to you, Lord. Lord hear Let's take a moment for some silence. symbols of the beginning of the Lenten season is the imputation of ashes on the forehead. They're made out of the palm fronds for, for the palm branches for the year, uh, previous year of Palm Sunday. Really, what it simply means is it's a reminder to us that we are dust and to dust we shall return. It's a reminder of our mortality. It's a reminder that without the work of Christ in our hearts, the bacteria in our souls continues to build and build and build. And so we invite you, if you would like to come, we just receive this on your forehead as a reminder that we are dust 
the dust we shall return. It's very interesting we are wearing uh, black and gray to remind us of our mortality. I'm coming from a retreat. Did not necessarily plan to put on black and gray. I was already at the retreat when I got the text as a reminder. But I also have on red socks. <laughs> and at first I thought, how in the world do I begin the Lenten season like this? <laughs> and then I was reminded, there's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that blood, lose all their guilty stains. It may seem like you are entering into a season of death, but you're entering into a season of cleansing. Let the Lord, by the power of the blood of Christ, do his work on your soul. We invite you to come. going down into the depths, but we don't stay there. We're going to come out of the depths of our sin, and so I want to offer to you right now is, is a word of encouragement, a word of the promise of forgiveness that God gives to us. So I invite you to stand, and I invite you to kind of reach your hands out to receive this. Friends, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who so great is God's love for you. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You are forgiven. Amen. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. Amen. And dare I say it, you are free. Friends, we can't talk about sin and repentance. We can't talk about any of that. And I can't make you go down there unless we come to the table. So would you just kind of open your eyes and get ready to receive in a different way from our Lord. What we're going to do first is we're going to do a call and response. Your words will be the bolded and underlined words that will be on the screen in just a moment. These are words that have been spoken for the ages. In it, as people come together to celebrate the Lord's table. So may the Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. And we lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. 
Truly, it is fitting and right at all times and in all places to give God thanks and praise. Is that not true? It is fitting and right at all times and in all places to give God thanks and praise. And so we lift up our hearts. We lift up our hearts to what we don't see because what is unseen is eternal and what we see right now is just temporary. We lift our eyes to the fact that we know some have seen, that there are angels and archangels in front of the throne and in front of the Lamb and they are calling out to our God. So may we spiritually join together with the words of the Holy, Holy, Holy. Say it with me. Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And we remember, we remember that Jesus didn't consider being one with God something to hold on to, but became one of us. We remember that Jesus was a baby. We remember that he learned to walk. He learned to speak. He learned to hold whatever utensils they had at that time. He laughed. We remember that as he grew, he healed. After he was baptized, he delivered people from demons. And he delivered people in all the ways they could be delivered. And by his death, he delivered us from our sins. He started with his life because he lived the life we should have lived, died the death we should have died, so that we don't have to. And we praise the Almighty God who became one of us. Miracle of all miracles. The one whom the world could not contain was contained in a woman's womb. He became one of us. He walked like us and he taught. He taught many things and he taught us to pray and I invite us to say the Lord's Prayer together in whatever language you're accustomed to, accustomed to doing so. Let's pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Almighty God, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would make of this bread and make of this cup as we receive them together, dipping the bread into the cup. We ask that as that unifies in our body, you might bring cleansing to us. We ask that we might have a greater understanding and a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ as these elements come into us. God, I pray that you would use these simple things that were part of every meal at that time to draw us into you. God, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have a couple of communion stewards who will be here to help me. If you would approach, please. Please come forward. Dip a piece of bread into the cup and receive the healing that God has for you. 
this benediction that was spoken by Brennan Manning when he spoke, the late Brennan Manning, when he spoke at Mount Vernon Nazarene College, Nat Nazarene University. He spoke it on October 11, 2000. His spiritual director had spoken it over him, and I think this sums up the deconstruction and the reconstruction that happens during the Lenten season. So I want to bless you. During this time of Lent, May all your expectations be frustrated. May all your plans be thwarted. May all your desires be withered into nothingness, that you may experience the powerlessness and poverty of a child, and then sing and dance and trust in the love of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> 